Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Man, oh man, it is good to be back. My last show was Thursday, December 6th. 11 days later, I am back in the chair And it feels good. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. I am Michael Borky after a long wedding weekend and honeymoon week off. I'm here and fired up and ready to go this week. Joined right now by uh, Brian. Hey, Dad. Uh, Brian Scott Rippey will join us later on. A packed and loaded show for you this afternoon, of course. And Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can text the show if you'd like. 601-879-4395. 879-4395. That's a ceasefire text line, but ceasefire encourages you not to text and drive. Be a part of the show, but be a part of the show safely. I'm a little rusty. I have done very little sports talking over the last 11 days or so, so bear with me this afternoon as I kind of get my rhythm back. And Hey, Dad, I never thought that I would actually have this feeling, but I, I kind of missed you, man. It's good to be back. Oh, how's married life treating you? Well, I've... I mean, I've got like two days of actual married life under my belt because sitting on a beach and having some guy hand you frozen drinks doesn't really count. No, it does not. So we are glad to have you back here. You, you were certainly missed. I don't believe that. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you that, that you were. I'm telling you the truth. Why would I do such a different thing? Why would I, why would I lie? Uh, well, I guess I'm not allowed to do that anymore. At least that's what the officiant said at my wedding. Yes. More on that maybe later, but for now we've got a loaded show this afternoon coming your way. So here's all the stuff we're going to try to get to. Mississippi State got a pretty huge win on the hard court on Saturday. They had an opportunity game, I guess we called it that, against uh, Arizona State. Didn't capitalize on that opportunity, so to speak, but then absolutely played an excellent second half and beat a really good Cincinnati team on Saturday. Yes, that was a a very interesting game for me because I thought State beat Cincinnati at its own game. Cincinnati came in as this team that everybody thought was such a lock, lockdown defensive team, and instead it was MSU holding Cincinnati to 37% shooting and 59 points. So the Bulldogs basically took Cincinnati's identity away from them in beating them, and it was very, very impressive. And for some reason, that Cincinnati team, despite having the resume, uh, is not ranked, even though they should be. That will be a win uh, that Mississippi State will be able to point to on their tournament resume when that time of year comes here in just a few months. Uh, Ole Miss was actually down at the half to a pretty bad Chattanooga team. They ended up uh, winning by 20. Uh, That happened last night. Scott Strickland and the UCF athletic director exchanged some emails. A very interesting back and forth between those two. 
that came out via public record request. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on. We will update you on the Ole Miss offensive coordinator search. We have some dumb criminal news and a lot of stuff that happened in the NFL. But the big game, at least here in the state of Mississippi, is happening tonight. The Saints That's right. bouncing back after a really sluggish first half in Tampa. They ended up winning the game, but didn't look very pretty doing it. Massive game tonight against the Panthers in Charlotte. Well, especially you know with the Rams losing last night, now the Saints know that the path to home field is pretty much set in stone for them. Win these next two games, you win, you beat Carolina, then you can beat New Orleans. I'm sorry, you can beat Pittsburgh in New Orleans next weekend, and you're gonna not you're not gonna leave the Superdome until you head to Atlanta's house for the Super Bowl. And how about that gift? I mean, you can spin it one way or the other. Either the Eagles gave you a gift or the Rams gave you a gift, but. What was it, a 13-point line last night? The Eagles were an underdog in L.A., and somehow Sean McVay and Jared Goff are looking almost not good anymore. Yeah, Goff especially. I mean, he, the wheels seem to have come off for him a little bit, and I don't, I don't quite understand what's going on there. I mean, he, he, he was so – they were so good – Early on, and even when they beat, you know, the Saints lost. To the, I'm sorry, when they lost to the Saints, uh, they came back strong the next week, and they were they were fine. You know, they had that game with the Chiefs, and you're like, all right, it's going to be Saints and Rams there at the end. And now, I mean, they're they're still going to win the division, but I mean, they they don't look like that same team anymore for some reason. And I, I don't know the reasoning for that. I just know that New Orleans is the benefactor of it. Yes, they are, and uh, they did get that gift. So they have they have a one game lead over the Rams now, pending the outcome. Uh, of the game tonight, but don't forget the Saints do have the tiebreaker over L.A. for beating L.A. back in New Orleans a right. few weeks ago, and they won't game see each hand. other again. So uh, New Orleans effectively has a two-game lead with three to play over Los Angeles, well, two to play for L.A., but you get my point. Uh, Houston keeps on rolling. That potentially now is a Super Bowl contender, maybe. They just keep winning games. They they started 0-3 and, and, ha- and now have won... 10 of the next 11 games, I believe. So they are square in the mix of this thing. We'll talk to John Harris later on this week and uh, figure out why they are able to do that. Deshaun Watson's healthy, looking good. Uh, It was a struggle in New York, but a win is a win in the NFL. That's right. Cleveland. And and, and are you surprised, though? Draft a championship quarterback, and then you start winning. It's not that hard. It it really isn't. Everybody who passed on Deshaun Watson and needed a quarterback – you know, I don't know what you were thinking. I mean, not nothing against Mahomes, obviously, but goodness gracious, man. Deshaun Watson, that seemed like a, such a no-brainer, and, and, and it wasn't. There's always the, we can call it an adage or an expression, that NFL guys tend to outthink the room. Yes. But why is it so hard to just bring a winner to your football team when your job is to try to win? Especially when you're talking about, you know, this isn't a small school quarterback who's six foot and 200 pounds and, you know, won a bunch of games at, at North Texas. Nothing against Mason Fine or anything. I'm just saying this guy won a national championship against Alabama and he has the physical tools as well. It just seems like a slam dunk. Why would you not do it? And and they didn't. And now some teams are paying the price while Houston is reaping the benefits. And now suddenly the Cleveland Browns with a win in Denver look – I mean, okay, they're not a playoff team. They're going to get eliminated. But the fact that it is – what is today? December 17th 
and the Cleveland Browns have yet to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs is a borderline miracle. Sort of the same thing, though, isn't it? Go and get yourself a competent quarterback and let the chips fall where they may. And then get rid of the grossly incompetent head coach. Yeah, well, there's that, too. Greg Williams, I mean, he's he might end up getting that job, which think, is a huge surprise considering, you know, you think a few years back with, the, with the, the, the bounty stuff that happened in New Orleans, I thought everybody was like, well, he'll never be a head coach again. Doing a great, and, and look at Freddie Kitchens, the innovator of offense there in Cleveland. And Ethan in Guntown reminds us, yeah, Dak and the Cowboys – uh, laid a bit of a stinker in Indianapolis, but that also is credit to Indy because that is a, a dramatically improved football team. But and, you can't go score zero points and expect right. to win very many games in the NFL. I just you would like to score more than zero. I think you you, you sort of need to, no question about that. But at the same time, it's, it's it's sort of a running theme. You know, Indianapolis was down the past couple of years because Andrew Luck wasn't right. He's he's right again. He's healthy. He's, he's and you see the talent there. So yeah, that's good. And the, but that said, Indianapolis has put together a pretty solid team around him. And look at former MSU Bulldog Danico Autry. He's been having a monster season so far this year, out of nowhere. Yeah, completely. But what do you think about Dak? We'll get into more of this later on in Dale and Hattiesburg. Uh, I, I will have an audio cut of uh, one of Nick Mullins' teammates. Uh, talking about him later on in the show as well. But, yeah, real quick, before we get into Nick Mullins, what do you think about Dak? At at this point in the season, what would your overall analysis of what he's done in Dallas in the year 2018 be? He's been okay. I mean, that's probably about the highest grade I can give him. He's had some moments where he's looked really good, but he's had some moments where he looked – Really bad. I know that that team is not as good as it was two years ago when he was a rookie, and they've taken some step backs from a, from a personnel standpoint. Um, but they're still going to win the division. They're still going to go to the playoffs, and you know, hopefully, in the off season, they can add some pieces to that team that that can get them back to where they were two seasons ago when they were the NFC East champions in a strong NFC East. Uh, and, 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 you know, Dak can show more of the form that he showed as a rookie. I, I'm not worried about Dak Prescott, you know, being the guy for, for Dallas in the future. I know that that's going to be the case. What I would like to see from him is to, you know, to be a guy that people outside of Dallas are excited about. And, I, I, you know, he's got the talent to do so. He's, he's shown that in the past. But Dallas has to do a better job of, of putting some pieces around him, I think. Yeah, and – Signing one wide receiver is that's not enough. Yeah. I mean, that's not enough. It's a nice start. I mean, it's okay. Yeah. It helped a little, but that's not enough. And finally, Nick Mullins, man, he just—it shouldn't be a surprise considering how productive he was in college and he had all the physical tools. But uh, just taking over a team that lost its quarterback in the season was for naught. Had another big day: twenty of twenty-nine, two seventy-five, and a touchdown and an overtime win. The guy's just a winner. He won in college. A, he was productive he in college. The now here he is. bargaining chip in the NFL right now. The 49ers are going to get a first rounder out of him. I wonder where he goes. We'll talk about that later on in the show. But up next, Mississippi State's big win over Cincinnati at Sports Talk Live in the Renaissance Bank Studio. You better watch out. You better not cry. 
You better not pout, I'm telling you why Santa Claus Back on Sports Talk Mississippi. To town. And now, a lot of you probably don't subscribe to The He's Athletic. It's that new it sports writing venture. Have a massive financial backing, and it's really good content. Uh, you know, they're not paying me to say this. It's just, it's really good if you feel like subscribing. I think the closest to Mississippi they've got is New Orleans, but the national stuff is excellent. One of their writers, and we'll get into Mississippi State in a second, this just came across my feed and I wanted to to share it to you right away, is Max Olson, and he wrote a story about the life of a high school uh, football player that's being recruited to go to college. And an excerpt from this story is Noah Kane, who's one of the nation's top running back recruits. He's from Louisiana, and he ran into an LSU fan at the grocery store. Really, the LSU fan suck him out at the grocery store and harassed him. He was with his grandmother, and this guy kept saying, you're going to LSU, right? You're going to LSU, right? And and when Noah Kane said, I don't know yet, I'm going to take all my visits, the guy got aggressive and confrontational with a high school football player because he wasn't sure if he was going to LSU or not. And when Noah Kane grabbed his grandmother and tried to walk away, the guy said, yeah, you are going to LSU. You know that, right? I mean, threatening a high school football player in a grocery store, basically, is what that is. That's That sounds like a real winner. Yeah. Real, 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 real good job there, buddy. So I'm sure your mom's proud of you. <laughs> so we have signing day on Wednesday, and we're going to cover it a lot. But um, just know that they are kids, and they're making a very difficult decision, and it may not be the one that that you you may not like, but that's okay because it's their decision and their decision only. I just I, I can't it's, wait to it's read not the your rest decision. of the story. It's not your decision, I'll tell you that. Nope, it is all theirs. But we will we'll get into that here in a little bit, maybe, if we've got time. But right now, let's talk Mississippi State and Cincinnati. It was a, another opportunity game. They had one against Arizona State, and even though that game, Arizona State's ranked now, by the way, if you haven't been following along with the Sun Devils, uh, that loss is going to do nothing, no damage at all to Mississippi State, but kind of a missed opportunity for the Bulldogs here was another opportunity, and they emphatically capitalized on that other opportunity. Yeah, they played one of their best games. What I found interesting watching the game, and I didn't realize it until about maybe midway through the second half, was Mississippi State led almost the entire game. I mean, they just they took control pretty early, and they never had a really big lead. I mean, it was four points, three points, two points, but they led. And that's something that we had been talking about you know, previous to this was that State had never just gotten control of a game from the beginning and, and, and just held on the whole way through. And that was, they finally sort of did that on Saturday night. They got balanced scoring, and they had Peters, the Weatherspoon brothers were scoring, Reggie Perry was in double figures. They, they just played well from top to bottom, and, and, and I, w- I thought it was a real statement. You know, we talked about those three games, Dayton, Clemson, Cincinnati. Could they find a way to go two and one? They went three and zero, oh, and now I think the die is sort of cast for this team. They, they, unless something goes wrong, they're going to be a tournament team at the end of the year. It's now it's a question of seeding. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you. I thought after this game, you didn't really know if Mississippi State was there yet. I mean, the the expectations were there, the talent is there, the the coach with the pedigree is all there, but there wasn't enough beef on that schedule until really the Dayton game where you thought okay this team is here but the way they won that game as you mentioned 
kind of tells you that they're there, that this is the team that right. you expected them to be winning games like that in that way. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, you know, the Dayton game, on the road, hostile environment, you, you closed the game out. You know, you're down seven, and you end up going on a 21-7 run, and you win the game. Clemson, you go to a neutral site, and you just shoot the lights out. You're 19 of 30 from, from three-point range. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you slide for not watching that game because that was played on your <laughs> wedding day. So and I'll, I'll get us through this. But, I mean, they were 19 of 30. You're going to beat anybody. You, you would have to really screw it up defensively to lose in a game where you're shooting that well from behind the arc. And then against Cincinnati, you, you evolved into this – incredibly tough defensive team you you played nose to nose with one of the most physical teams in the country you out rebounded them and then you made the key shots when you had to and, and it was just that they, they, they're winning in different ways they're, they're not just a one-trick pony they seem to be able to go and adapt to what their opponent is doing and that to me is a sign of a really good basketball team when it's not just you know there are some teams that they do they do one thing and they do it well and if you can take that away from them they're in trouble well, for state, I mean, they, they they found different ways to win ball games this year, and and if that's going to be the case, that's going to make them sort of dangerous when we get into SEC play, and then as obviously when you get into March. Yeah, the close the word you mentioned closing the game. That's another one where in the second half it's a tie game with twelve minutes left. For the next four minutes, Cincinnati doesn't score a point. Mississippi yeah. State separates by seven, and with eight minutes to go, the game was over. They didn't relinquish the lead. It got close a little bit later on, but really after that little 7-0 run with 12 minutes to go in the game, they sealed that game and finished strong, which would you agree last year was not something that they were able to do. They were in some games, just could never finish and, and win that game that they needed. Now you have multiple examples this year against better opponents, and in one case in a very tough environment, of them doing that very thing. Last year's modus operandi for Mississippi State basketball was this. Fall behind early, furious comeback that comes up just a bucket or two short. It was like that almost every game going into the middle of February, and that's when State finally found its stride. This year, it's been – they've started a little slow, but by starting slow, I mean they're down four at the 10-minute mark, or, or they're only up two at the four-minute mark. And then it's just slowly but surely pull away from your opponent – the rest of the way. When the game gets in the second half, the Bulldogs have been able to really be in control of those games. Uh, they, they don't have the uh, the late game woes that they suffered from a, a season or two ago. I think a lot of that has to do with experience. I mean, I, what team in the country brought back as much experience as Mississippi State does? I mean, State has two four-year seniors who have not transferred out to anywhere in their starting lineup. I mean, in college basketball these days, that's a rare thing. So, these guys have played together. The chemistry is good, and Howland talked about that in post game. He said, "I feel good about my team, you know, on and off the court. And what happens off the court is what leads to good stuff on the court." He feels good about this team. I mean, they have a tough game coming up. I can't under, I can't overstate how you know you should not overlook Wofford. That's a good basketball team. They pounded South Carolina. They played really tough against North Carolina. They are a quality team in a, in a decent basketball conference in the, in the Southern Conference. That's going to be a tough game. It's going to end up being a good win for Mississippi State if they win it. Uh, but that's, that's one they can't overlook. They can't, they can't ride the coattails of the Cincinnati win. But I think howland has got his team mentally in the right place right now. I feel like they'll come out strong Wednesday night at the home. Yeah, Walford, three losses. You mentioned it's a good team. They 
have a close loss. They actually hosted North Carolina to start the season. Uh, a close-ish yep. loss there. They lost at Oklahoma and lost at Kansas. Otherwise, a dominating win over South Carolina, a dominating win over East Tennessee, who has become a pretty respected program in their own right. They're decent, so, yeah. It's a good Wofford team uh, that will be here. They can't overlook them, that's for sure. And in the, the final game of the non-conference against BYU, they are going to end up being, at worst, maybe a quadrant two kind of win for Mississippi State if they get it. BYU is a pretty decent team. State talked about it all offseason. Got to improve non-conference scheduling. They did it on paper, and now it looks like they, they've done it for real, and you're seeing these teams that they scheduled. They're, they're going to help MSU's RPI. State should have good RPI or net or whatever it is you want to call it whatever it is the NCAA wants to go by when we get to March. And suddenly, I, I don't think Ole Miss is a tournament team. They're, they're very improved, but they need a lot of work in the big category. I mean, they're just there's not a whole lot there. I think they have a couple of freshmen that are going to end up being pretty good players, but they're young and raw. If everything goes to chalk, Ole Miss's remaining non-conference schedule is two teams that they should beat pretty handedly. And then they go to Vanderbilt, who lost their best player. The second game of conference play for Mississippi State, Auburn. the the uh, the Egg Bowl of basketball. I know people don't like that. Could actually mean something for the first time in four years, like actual well, things on the line years, in this Michael. game. Longer than four years. Don't don't. <laughs> I mean, Mississippi State basketball hasn't been relevant in, in quite some time now. Uh, you did miss the game, though, because for some reason, you, Ole Miss plays a conference game. Oh, yeah, uh, they, they do. They have. have three conference games. They have, to, they have to play Auburn. They have to host Auburn. So that'll, that'll be a good litmus test, though, won't it? That'll be if, uh. you know, if they're close against Auburn, you got to feel really good about where Kermit Davis is. We talked about this last week. That team, they feel ahead of schedule. Now, I don't know what that's going to end up meaning when conference play comes and then the quality of opposition goes up, but... Yeah, they're playing pretty well right now. And like so that game uh, January the twelfth at the Humphrey Coliseum, there should be a little little beef behind that. And, and that's exciting. It's good. It's about it's time. Good to have that. Yeah. Well, I'll do a little bit more Mississippi State basketball, get into some football things, things that I missed over the last week. It's uh, really good to be back and really good to be a part of the show this afternoon. Text us, 601-879-4395. I see a couple of you have done just that. We'll get into those, some more Mississippi State stuff. i got some dumb criminal news all coming your way. It's Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. While the moon is bright, he's going to have a bag of crazy... Back on Sports Talk, Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you this afternoon. A few texts coming in. Grant says, watching the Mississippi State girls and guys has been a lesson in intensity. The guys have only been intense at the end of game when it was on the line until Cincinnati, by far the most focus and hustle of the year. Yeah, it was a pretty complete game against a really good opponent. Um, I will say this, though. There are going to be times. Basketball is one of those sports. You see it in the NBA as well. You're not going to get even A-plus effort. Every game. It's frustrating. I understand it. But you're not going to. There are too many games. It's a sport not reliant on the ability to make shots. But there are a lot of times where where if a team's not shooting well, it looks like they're giving poor effort. I wouldn't be too worried about that. If you're, what are they, 9-1 and Mississippi State right now? They're in excellent shape. Everything's fine. 
I don't know if intensity is an issue. I haven't watched all 10 games like you have, but right. I, I never felt like, oh, they're just not playing very hard. I never got no, that I, I don't think that. I think that's more a, uh, instead of taking it as a shot to the men, it's more of a compliment about the women right. because they show up and they play hard from the from the first, and that's just the Vic Schaefer way. Howland is just a different kind of coach. And, and at the end of the day, like you said, there's so many games, but there's also so many games against teams that you can just show up and beat. In the when you get it out of conference play, you know when you play, you know the, these low RPI teams, a hundred plus RPI teams, you know Mississippi State's just going to beat those teams nine times out of ten. So, you know you don't have to have that that same kind of thing. Uh, but I think with with just I think it's just a difference in coaching more than anything else. Howland and, and Schaefer just they're just cut from different cloths. Yeah, both successful though. Uh, Leon and Louisville said Louisville, not Louisville, Louisville. Got to get that right. Uh, says Ole Miss and Mississippi State basically have the same RPI. And, and that may be true. I haven't looked at it truthfully because looking at RPI in December is an exercise in futility. It's going true. to change so much between now and February when it really becomes something. Uh, mm-hmm. Wait till conference play gets going and, and they play some conference games because right now RPI is just not something that really should be looked at with any seriousness. Uh, Ethan True. from Guntown says Duke is a good example of that losing to Gonzaga. You're just not going to get A plus effort every night in basketball. You can't, yeah. And uh, something else to remember, by the way, talking about RPI is RPI is not what the NCAA tournament is, is focused on anymore. There's this new metric called net. You can check it out at NCAA.com. In that ranking, MSU is currently uh, 17th, and Ole Miss is currently 47th. Which seems about right. For for both teams, and that may, well, that I mean, makes more this, sense. You're thrilled to be 47th at this point. Absolutely, you, you've got to be happy. Bill and Amory you, says uh, he's got uh, a problem with the bowls don't really matter. The non-playoff bowl games not mattering because it's a business decision. Uh, he said, "Would the overall acceptance of that sh- would our tune change if it was Alabama players?" We will get into that later. So hold that thought, Bill. Uh, Dan in Charleston welcomes me back. It's good to be back. And and Richard asks if I or why I didn't bring any Jamaican Christmas music back with me. The funny thing Do you about have, that, like the little the little Michael Scott half dreadlock working today. <laughs> yeah, my wife wanted me to get one of those. I Feeling strongly hot hot. hot. <laughs> no, I strongly objected. The funny uh, thing about that is they played Christmas music everywhere we went. There was Christmas music playing, and it was like a Jamaican version of all of the Christmas songs that you would think that you would hear anywhere. But it was all reggae and, and Jamaican guys singing it. But like hearing a, a guy from Jamaica town, where it doesn't snow, where it was December and it was 85 degrees and the low when we were there was like 78 degrees, singing about snowmen and one-horse open sleighs and all that stuff <laughs> cracked me up so bad because you have no idea what you're singing about. You've never seen that before. No. That's funny, though. And also ESPN there. Where you, you get ESPN there. I don't know if this right. is like this the whole island, but everywhere we were, you could get the video feed, but you couldn't get the audio feed. So you would be able to watch ESPN, but the only thing that you could listen to was some weird music bed that they would have playing over whatever the video of ESPN was. That that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. So you could watch it, probably through some pirated feed. Um, Flow was their cable that we used there. F-L-O-W, it was the cable on television, and your cell phone, if you had, uh, like, service on, you know how you can turn your actual, like, 
data service off on your iPhone now? Yeah. If you have it on, it runs up your bill like crazy. But if you if you would put it on, your phone in the top corner where, for me, it says C Spire, it said Flow, F-L-O-W. So they had the cable and the phones there. That's weird. Yeah, it, that, that's all it was. But anyway, um, back on back on topic, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Something I missed last week. Uh, I've got an interview with Key Weatherspoon and, and Richard, who called the game on TV, by the way. Yes. Um, that, that I might play in a minute. But I, I do want to get to this. So Mark Hudspeth, I'm sure you guys talked about last week, left. Is Tony Hughes stepping into his role? Uh, do we know about that yet? TBD. We don't know that yet. Uh, they're going to... Talking to Moorhead on Saturday, he said that they're going to, you know, he doesn't expect any more, uh, any more movement on the staff. He's not expecting it, but he knows that you never know. So he's going to let everything sort of play out. Let's get through signing day. Let's get through the bowl game. And then once that happens, a decision will be made. As it stands right now, if there's no movement, yeah, he's probably going to be the tight ends coach, which is a position that he's coached before. Uh, so it's, it's, there's no, you know, no, no problem there. But they are going to wait, wait it out a little bit. Right now, he's just sort of, uh, you know, eva- he's helping Joe Moorhead with evaluation. He's not locked into any one thing on the practice field. And, of course, you know, they, they brought him in as a recruiter. Once this first signing per- period is over, he'll go to work on what's left for this class for Mississippi State. Yeah, and, I mean, your tight ends coach, if that's indeed the role he fills, is supposed to be, anyway, your ace recruiter, right? Because it's a, a very easy position to coach I don't want to say that I'm not a football coach I'm sure it's very right. hard but it's easier than having a unit of five offensive linemen for example right right you, you gotta have you gotta this is a spot where if Tony Hughes had not been available I would have been in favor of finding a young guy who, who's who's got what it takes on the recruiting trail rather than going and finding somebody who's he's really done a great job coaching tight ends in the past I mean you I think you can let that slide a little bit so yeah, this is a spot for recruiter. Hudspeth had a great reputation as a recruiter, and, and Tony Hughes' reputation as a recruiter is second to none. So that, that makes a lot of sense. We'll see where we'll see where he ends up. But if I had, I, I, I would imagine, you know, I, I I would be surprised if there's not at least one more move. The question is, where is he going to move? Because if, if Shoop stays, and I think right now the, the, the that, that's the tendency. I think he's leaning towards staying. If I had to guess, uh, he coaches safeties. And I don't think Buckley's going anywhere. And he coaches the corners. Well, that's the only spot. You know, that's the spots that Tony Hughes has coached in the past is in the defensive backfield. Then he's coached tight ends and wide receivers. Well, we'll see what happens with Getze. The Akron job has already closed up. That was a name. That was a job he was tied to. But, of course, he's going to be tied to some NFL jobs. And those won't start coming open for a few more weeks, basically, until after the bowl game. So could he go to wide receivers if Getze leaves? Possibly, but we'll just have to see where it all plays out. Right now, I would say the smart money is on him being MSU's tight end coach in 2019. Now, Charles Huff, I guess, interviewed or, or was contacted, but decided to stay in Starkville. Is that it as far as people that you know of that have put feelers out somewhere or have yeah. had somebody put their feelers out towards them? As far as I know, yes. Uh, Huff... You know, that, and that went away really quickly. You know, Bruce Feldman tweets, Huff is interviewed. Within five minutes of that, my podcast partner, Joel Coleman, tweets, spoke to an MSU source. Huff spoke, but he's staying at MSU, feels it's a better situation for him. Um, now, I, when I, my first time I met Charles Huff, I said, this is a guy 
who's going to be probably a future head coach. Now, I'm not always right about that because I said the same thing when I met Peter Sermon for the first time, but you know, you'll have to laugh. Well, head now. coaches most of the time don't have to deal with defense, so maybe he could end up being <laughs> head coach. As long as he just stays far, far away from yeah. that defense, it, it could work out. He was out. a coordinator of defense, but now he just he's just he, he can go the Herm Edwards CEO route. Um but that said, I mean, Huff is a sharp guy, so will he be a head coach in the future? I would be really surprised if he wasn't. But it seems as if for now he's, he's content to stay in Starville for at least one more season. And then bull prep this week, a lot of availability as it turns out. When are they actually heading to Florida? 26th. They'll head down there to the 26th. Oh, so they do get a good Christmas at home or wherever yeah. they want to be. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll have Christmas at home and then bring everybody back and then head down on the 26th for the full week of activities uh, leading into the game on New Year's Day. And the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah. The most boring program in college football history. Sometimes they'll win a big game, like they beat Ohio State in 2017, and that was fun. But, man, they are – and I guess stability's nice, but they're winning seven to nine games every single season as long as Kirk Ferentz is there. They'll never win yeah. anything significant, but they will they, never they have, tank They'll have either. a year every four or five years where they jump up. Like they did a couple years ago, they were undefeated going into the Big Ten Championship game. And would have gone to the playoff if they had beaten Michigan State, where they could have been sacrificed to Alabama. <laughs> but they lost, and they went to the Rose Bowl, where they were sacrificed to Stanford. <laughs> Sounds about right. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. All right, hey, Dad, let's do a snake draft here. I'll start, you go, I go. You know the drill. First winner, Mississippi State basketball. They had an opportunity, one that they haven't had, quite frankly, in a pretty long time. I guess they had a couple of games where if they won, things could have gotten interesting. But this is the first time in a very long time where they had a legitimate shot at making the NCAA tournament, had an opportunity game on Saturday to get a resume-building win. And they did just that and did it very well. What was it, 24 points from two guys off of the bench? So a really yeah. well-rounded performance and a really good big win for Mississippi State. They've got to follow it up on Wednesday, like you said earlier. Yeah. Not not a slouch in Wofford coming to Starkville, but they are, are definitely winners for the way they looked and performed against Cincinnati this weekend. Yeah, when you start winning games – Every game becomes the bigger game. And and now Mississippi State's at that point where, you know, when they get into conference play, yeah, they're going to drop a few games. There's no question about that. They're not going undefeated. But these these remaining non-conference games are huge. They, they, they can't afford a slip-up. But you're right. They definitely belong in the winner's category because they, 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 had, this, they had this opportunity and they took full advantage of it. So, so good on them. Uh, my first winner, I'm going to go to the NFL. I'm going to the Chicago Bears. The Bears. Ah, Bears. The Bears. Uh NFC North champions, just like we all predicted prior to the season starting. You know, it's just been a, a season of wins for Chicago. Mitch Trubisky looks like he's coming along, and that's going to end up being a, you know, I, you know, he and Deshaun Watson, they're going to be compared to each other their whole career. Uh, but Trubisky's got his team in the playoffs. The trade for Khalil Mack, they fleece the Raiders. I don't care who the Raiders take with that pick. A, it's going to be in the mid-20s now at best. But B, that person will not be as good as Khalil Mack. And he, he really flipped that division on its head. And they, they've taken advantage. And now they're the NFC North champions. And they're, they're, they're playing really, really well right now. My next one, I'll stay in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns. They are yeah. one halfway okay kicker away from being one game above 500 as they sit 
they are six, seven, and one. But what a story! They they have been the butt of so many jokes for so long. It's a if you've ever been to Cleveland, Ohio, I imagine that's a tough place to live. The sun comes out like seven times a year. It's it's a cold and just it's it's an industrial place and. Their football team has been so bad for so long, and yet they have some of the most dedicated fans you can imagine, and they're finally getting rewarded. I guess when you have the number one pick for so long, you end up acquiring a pretty decent roster, and they're fun. Baker Mayfield's fun. They play really nasty defense, and they're not going to make the playoffs, though they still have an outside shot. It's just good to finally see the person that's been kicked while they're down for so long rise up and start throwing punches themselves. So the Cleveland Browns are winners for the season in general, but for beating Denver in Denver on Saturday. Let's stay in the NFL for mine, and we talked a little bit about this while you were gone, but Chris Jones is my second winner. Uh, sets an NFL record, 10 straight games with a sack, and that's from the defensive tackle position. Not an end, not an outside linebacker, not a place you expect to get sacks from. Chris Jones having a monster year. Year three in the NFL, which means he is probably this offseason going to see a very nice restructured contract with a lot of zeros on the back end of that. So the former Bulldog doing a great job here in Kansas City. That team's going to the playoffs and he's a big part of the reason why. Going to go ahead and get a little sappy for my third winner. So I... Two weeks ago, when Richard was soliciting your advice, and then I sent out a tweet on Saturday night after I got married, in the subsequent days after, I, as you know if you've listened to the show long enough, I'm not from here. Mississippi has become my home, but it's not where I grew up. It wasn't my home state. It's South Carolina. And I don't, or didn't, until kind of recently have a relatively big role on this show or at this company. I was kind of behind the scenes doing stuff, but a lot of you didn't hear or see of me, but the outpouring of support that me and my new wife have gotten from, of course, Richard and the Bryans and and everybody here, but all of you that listen and that engage with us either via email, I've gotten a few of those, uh, tweets to my Twitter account or or texts on the show, we can't thank you enough. It, It was overwhelming, it was unexpected, and... Uh, You made this big life event that I am still kind of going through um, very easy because of your outpouring of support. So I'm I'm glad to call Mississippi home now, and thank you for uh, adding something to to my big day. You really should have gone last if you were going to do that. I just want to point that out (laughs) because I feel sort of bad now coming here with my last winner, which is Fresno State. Fresno State. Oh, they were awesome, so it's fine. Yeah, twelve and two on the season. There's been so much talk about UCF and playing being undefeated, but look at Fresno State. They they have had a really good season there. And Fresno State was a power out there in the West as far as like small schools go. When I was a younger man, uh, Jeff Tedford, who was you know run out of Cal, uh, and, and that program didn't wasn't going the right direction, has reinvented uh, himself, rejuvenated himself at Fresno State, and they, they, are, they are one of the best teams in the country this year. They, nobody really wants to play them. So tough defensively, and uh, they're, they're really, really good. All right, I've got one loser, and I, I've been deciding whether or not to actually, actually do this, but it's something that's been driving me nuts to the point where I can't shake it. Um, I won't say the name because I'm not going to use the platform to ruin somebody's business. However, the... But you should. I, <laughs> no, I can't do that. I would like to keep my job. Um... My, our wedding DJ's boss, because DJs have bosses who are also DJs. Um, 
<laughs> if you remember two weeks ago, it rained like crazy. It started early Friday, and it rained all weekend long. Downpour of yeah. rain, constant, didn't stop, especially here in the metro area. Our wedding was supposed to be outside. Uh, late in the week, we had to scrap all of my wife's hardworking wedding plans and, and put a tent near the venue and just try to go with it. It kept raining, and the tent really didn't do a whole lot. Our DJ's boss went to my wife's bridal suite two hours before she's supposed to walk down the aisle. Keep in mind, we have effectively three moms. I have a mother and a stepmother and her mom. We have a wedding coordinator and an event coordinator at the venue. A five-layer person where you could have taken this to before you got to my soon-to-be wife at the time. Mm. Went to her bridal suite, her room where she was getting ready. She had her dress on. She was ready to go a couple hours before she's supposed to walk down the aisle. And the man said to her, not to anybody else, and she heard it, directly to her, talking about the reception, and said, quote, it's a disaster in there. And then informed them that nobody is going to have fun. You really, first off, you should have gone last again, because now I feel bad <laughs> with what I'm going to come with. But uh, what a jerk. I, I mean, what kind of person... Just a few hours, I think it was like two hours before a, a girl is going to walk down the aisle, says to her, your wedding is a disaster. That's pretty rough, man. Even, you know, I'm, I'm a little salty over here, but gosh, that is, that's just wrong. And because, wrong. because she's better than I deserve, she just brushed it off her back. And of course we had a great time and everything worked out. But yeah. what kind of idiot would do something like that. Say it to her mom. Say it to our wedding coordinator. Come find me. I don't care. Don't say it to her. You've, you've been waiting, haven't you? You've been waiting to get back on this show so you can oh, do the story. I, I had as dreams about like, it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this on the oh, air. I'm going to do it. I've had dreams about it. it when she told me, I, I was shaking. I, I'm still kind oh of shaking. Gosh. Because what are you doing? There's seven people you could have told that to before her, and it would have been just fine. Like, you're doing your job, man. You want to make sure everything's okay. You don't walk into her suite and say it to her as she's getting ready to walk down the aisle on her wedding day. You don't do that. Once again, Idiot. mine is not as good as Michael's uh, because I, you know, I don't have a personal anecdote for it. Uh, but I was going to go with the New England Patriots. That's good because, because they're equally as... Well, here's the thing. Right now, as it stands, they're playing wild card weekend for the first time in quite a long time. Um, they, they have just been up and down this year. They lost to the Steelers yesterday, which made a, a lot of people up here in Starkville who cover Mississippi State uh, very happy. A lot of Steeler fans on the beat. Uh, so, yeah, I, the Patriots, you know, they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors and Tom Brady for so long. And Tom Brady's the key, but everything else is just sort of how are these guys good? And, and and maybe this is finally the year, you know, that that it's it the the rest of the AFC is finally going to catch up to them. That said, I will not bet against touchdown Tom Brady. Love it. All right. Hope the rest of the show is not a disaster without me, Borky. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. I I, I had to do that. I, I feel no, better. You were, right, you were fully sure. within your rights as as a now husband Whew. to do that and a lot more. I'll tell you that. Rippy's coming in next. We'll do some Ole Miss offensive coordinator updates, some NFL recap, a whole lot more coming your way. It's Sports Talk Live in the Renaissance Bank studio. Say goodbye to Hey Dad. We will catch up again with you tomorrow. Another year over.
Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, and you can text the show 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. And when you send a text, I promise we won't charge you. It's free to you. It's a C Spire text line, and C Spire does remind you, please do not text and drive. Use a voice text feature or wait till you get to your destination before you engage with us this afternoon. We'd love to have you a part of the show. We would just much rather you do it safely than not out goes hey dad in comes rippy rippy hey dad said you guys missed me i don't believe him oh we definitely did uh, i i'm sure you probably went over this in the first hour was how was the honeymoon was it good other than us you know crashing it that day <laughs> i can't believe you guys did that i so the hotel rang into my room first i, I don't know if we'll told you this I, we got a call from the front desk of course they were all they all had jamaican accents and the guy said uh, your friend, your friend Richard, he's calling you. Can you answer? And I, I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, sure. I I didn't think about it because we were an hour ahead. I thought he was just calling me to say, hey, like, congratulations. And I answer the phone, and I'm on air with you idiots. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it was 100% Richard's idea, and we heard it the whole time. So what happened was is I thought when the front desk called, because, like, we could all hear it, and then I thought Richard saying this is his friend Richard, like, I didn't think they were going to let us through. So when the guy was like, who is this again? I was like, it's his parents. Um, just trying to get through, <laughs> but uh, it was, it was all Richard's idea. 100%. Uh, David in Indianola asks what part of Jamaica we went to uh, Negril, Jamaica. We were at, they, they call it the seven mile beach. It's Negril is just a resort town. That's all that's there. Um, and it's just resort after resort after resort for literally seven miles on this beach. And, and we were at one of those resorts, a uh, really good time. It's, it's an interesting country, Rippy. Because, one, sadly, it's extremely poor. Um, not a whole lot there as far as that goes. But everybody's extremely religious. It, it was it, that was it was kind of cool. You felt like you were at home because every local you met, it was, "Hey, God bless you. Thanks for coming to Jamaica." All of them, which was pretty cool. It was a, it was a nice touch. But there were it, bars everywhere, and I don't mean like bars in the town. I'm talking. We landed in Montego Bay. And we had to take a van from Montego Bay to the resort, about an hour and a half drive, and the entire drive was on the coast. So we had the ocean to our right, and it's kind of a mountainous country. I, I guess I didn't know much about it, didn't expect it. Um, but mountains, really, small mountains to our left. And the entire drive, it's nothing but farms and little wooden shacks the whole time. And every eighth of a mile, there was a bar. Maybe even less than that. There was a bar every time you looked, and it was just in this little wooden shack. It would, it would have just a, a simple name like Johnny's Rum Bar, and just little shack at every eighth of a mile along the coast between Montego Bay and Negril, Jamaica, was a little bar. Every eighth of a mile, that was the funniest thing because there's nothing else there. It's just farms and goats and stuff, and rum bars. The entire hour and a half drive from Montego Bay to where the resorts were sounds like a pretty cool place we went so i actually went there a couple years ago on spring break and we i don't remember where our resort was but we flew into montego bay as well but like did y'all leave the resort when y'all went there we never left and which was probably a good idea for a multitude of reasons but like did y'all roam around what did y'all like how'd that work we left the resort one time and it was just to go swim with dolphins otherwise we kind of stayed there 
Swimming with dolphins. That sounds pretty oh, cool. Oh, dude, it was so cool. They they are so smart. And they they built they had this huge pool, right? But it was natural. It it was like a a little cove that they just kind of blocked off with cement and netting and, and they keep the dolphins in there, so it's really natural for them. But on the inside there's a lining, so you stand in about I would say stomach deep of water. You got a life jacket on for some reason. And each group, so there were six people in our group, had two dolphins assigned to us and one trainer. So we're, we're feeding these things, and, and they're letting us like hold them in our arms like a baby. And we got to hold on to their fins and ride them around and stuff. It was the coolest thing. They are so smart. And one of them, she said, had an attitude that day. Like they're that developed in their mind to where one is like moody and wouldn't really obey her so we did most of the stuff with the other one because one was just in that mood that day but i mean they it was incredible that was the best, that was my favorite part of the trip was the hour where we were in a lagoon with a bunch of dolphins getting dragged around by their fins sounds pretty fun <laughs> jeffrey tupelo asked how many times were we offered weed the funny thing is that the beach that we were on was not owned by the resort technically. I don't know why, but it wasn't. And so locals could walk on the beach. There were security guards there. If any of the locals gave you a hard time, they would move them along. But in the States, in America, if you run into a drug dealer, your your thought is like, hey, I need to get out of this situation. It's probably a bad guy. The drug dealers in Jamaica were the nicest people. Like, I would trust them holding my baby for a minute. Just hey, hang out. Have a good time. Like, hey, man. And everybody says, man. It's not just like what you think of when you watch movies and stuff. The women, they, when they, they speak to each other. Seashells? Oh, yeah. They put it in seashells. They had it. I mean, one guy had it in a soccer ball that he balanced on his head. And when they would walk by, they'd offer it to you. Just say, oh, no, thanks. I'm good. And, oh, man, have a great day. God bless you. And just keep walking. Like, the nicest people on the island are the ones that are selling drugs. Um, yeah. Offered a lot. Didn't partake in any. I have a job that I would like to keep. Probably a good idea. <laughs> Richard asks, how many shots did, did y'all do en route? Oh, my gosh. So, each driver we discovered has a deal with one of these bars on the way. And I'm t- they're just wooden shacks. That's all they are. It's a wooden shack with a little wooden bar and like maybe a cooler behind it, but most of it is just bottles of rum that are sitting there warm, room temperature. But each driver must have had some kind of deal, whether they slip each other money or what, to where they stop halfway through the drive at one of the shacks. So you'd be driving and you'd see one of these little shuttle vans parked at one of these little bars and they they stay for five, ten minutes and make everybody on the bus, they don't make you, but encourage everybody on the bus to go buy a drink, and then get back on and continue on the trek to the resort. Sounds like a pretty solid trip. It was pretty good. I, um, Man, Jamaica's... It's, when we were in the airport on the way out, this is, it's, this is a sad thing. I'm going to end on a sad note, which is probably not what you should do. But We were on the way out, and the shuttle got us to the airport three hours early, so we had a lot of time to kill, and there's a Margaritaville in the airport. We go to get, well, we just got food. I, I got like a sandwich and she got a salad and it was 37 American dollars. And on the receipt, this is the only time I saw this the entire week we were there. Had a breakdown of what it would cost depending on what country currency you have. So it was 37 American 
it was like 42 pounds, etc. And all were about the same amount until you got to the bottom and it was Jamaican dollars. A $37 meal costs 4,600 Jamaican dollars. Good Lord. The gas was 160 bucks a liter there. Jamaican money, of course. So if you if you tipped a, a five, I mean, it, 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 they were through the roof. To, right. Very. That is a lot of inflation. Yeah. Uh, other than that, beautiful country, beautiful place. Uh, would absolutely recommend it. Just um, all you have to do is say no thanks to the drug dealers, and they end up being very nice people, ironically. <laughs> Not like here. Uh, David says, sounds like you went to the same resort we went to. Yeah, it was a really cool place. Other than I stepped on a sea urchin. But more on that later. Yeah, that wasn't fun. I'll uh, I'll get into that later on. Watch any NFL yesterday? Uh, yes, I did. I watched all the early games and then caught most of the two afternoon games until I had to go to the basketball game, of course. Um, Ole Miss playing Chattanooga. But yes, caught most of the NFL action all weekend. Yeah, pretty good. Hold, hold that thought on the NFL. Ole Miss gets a win last night. Chattanooga, what are they, 300th or so in Ken Palm, so not exactly a good team. Ole Miss was down at the half. Uh, I think, what were they, down six at one point in the second half and went on a 28-0 run, which is not something you'll see very often, and then cruised to victory last night. Yeah, it really it really kind of highlighted why this team is intriguing and why they'll kind of struggle all at the same time, right? So they, they have a lot of breakdowns defensively, and they don't guard the perimeter, particularly the three-point line, very well. So Ole Miss got up, I think, 12 early on in the games, 33-21, Chattanooga closes the half on a 16-3 run, so they're actually leading 39-37 at half. Really the first time Ole Miss has trailed at half at home this year. Really the first time they've kind of been put, you know, applied any pressure uh, by any opponent at home this year. Um, Chattanooga makes a couple more baskets coming out of the second half. Ole Miss is down six and then just explodes on a 28-0 run that was sparked by four consecutive three-pointers. Um, Bree and Tyree made two, Terrence Davis made one, and then Devontae Shewer made one that prompted a timeout. So it was really kind of what this team is in a nutshell, all in kind of one game. But, yeah, I mean, a game you should definitely win. So they fought with disaster but got by. More on that coming up as well as our thoughts on the weekend in the NFL. And I've got a story about stepping on a sea urchin. Uh, all coming up this hour at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Good to be with you on a Monday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon, even though it kind of looks like an evening out because the sun is already setting above my right shoulder where I sit through my three layers of windows to see it, but it's good to be with you this afternoon. Glad you are a part of the show, and you can be a part of the show if you'd like. Text us, 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. C Spire does encourage you, please don't text and drive. Be a part of the show, but do so safely. Quinn texts and says, glad I'm back. Sounds like the honeymoon was awesome. and It was. We had a really good time. We did discover, though, that we are a, a four-day vacation couple. Anything longer than that, we got homesick. and um, I don't mean to sound like a wuss, but I really missed 
really missed my dog. So I wanted to get back and, and be with him. Seth, he, he was in the kennel for eight days because of the wedding weekend and stuff. That's far too long for my little guy. And Greg in Nettleton says, just got home to turn on the radio, and who's the stranger? Welcome back, brother. I appreciate that. The show's going to be a little choppy today. I am a bit rusty, to tell you the truth, but uh, bear with me. And later on in the week and, and into next week, I hope they will get a little bit better from here. When you when I took time off, I took time off. I got on Twitter a few times. Other than that, uh, wasn't doing anything like this. So sitting back here in this chair with all these screens and buttons and stuff, it's like I'm relearning it all. So just bear with me. And uh, I appreciate your support, and it is very good. Uh, very happy to be back, and, and glad you're part of the show with us this afternoon. On the Ole Miss basketball front, before we move on to the NFL, Rippy, what are they now? Nine and one. Um, eight and two on the eight year. and two. They, I'm sorry, eight and two. Mississippi State is nine and one. Uh, I'm one of those people that got the two confused. That's uh, that's not good. But eight and two, no bad losses at all. A decent enough win. But they still really struggle in the post. At least they're going to really struggle in the post when teams like Auburn come to town. What is the ceiling of this basketball team? I said at the beginning of this season, I think if they were kind of ahead of schedule, that you could see somewhere around seven league wins. And I still kind of stand by that. I think, I think, even though the league has not, at least early on, proved to be you know, I guess maybe have the teeth that, that we thought. I still think it's a pretty strong league from top to bottom. So I'll still say around the seven-win threshold, you know, you could have a ball or two bounce your way and, and, and play well um, in a couple games you're not supposed to, maybe get to eight. But I'll, I'll still say right there, seven to eight-win mark in the in league play, that is. So are they exceeding what you thought they would be? Are, you, are they exceeding expectations? Are they meeting expectations? Or you're probably not going to say this, are they coming in below expectations? No, I would say exceeding. I, I think it's been much better than I anticipated the transition being, or much smoother, I should say. You know, I it was they were... It was interesting to try to figure out what they were going to be, right? Because you have three guards that you would think can really fill it up. And then, like, as you mentioned, they do struggle in the post. And for the most part, that's, that's really been true. But I think at times, at least in my opinion, they've been better defensively than I thought they would be at this point in the season. Now, you won't hear Kermit Davis say that much, right? Because they still have breakdowns and they're still not very good defending in the post and they have some breakdowns on the perimeter. But I, I think they've played well defensively. I guess better than I thought in spurts than they would at this point. So I would say exceeding expectations for sure. So they got middle on Friday, middle Tennessee. That is the former home of Kermit Davis and Florida Gulf Coast, who is a far cry from what Florida Gulf Coast was when you had, what did they call it? Um, uh, Dunk City. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Dunk City, I believe. Yeah, they are not um, who, who Dunk City used to be. So two very winnable, probably should win games coming up before they enter conference play. Yeah, and so if you do take care of business that, I don't think you could have asked for anything better than 10-2 and two through the non-conference slate, right? I mean, you had a chance to win the game late at Butler. They struggled against Cincinnati, you know, probably expectedly so. But I, I thought it, that this is about as good as they could be kind of going into SEC play. I don't know about you. Yeah, there, there's no way you could have expected anything different. Um, shooting so it, at a really high percentage. What, so what is that? How are they able to do that? Is it because the offensive design is very good and, and they're getting 
open looks and even college players who aren't near the shooters that NBA players are, they still hit their open looks more times than not? Or are they just kind of playing above themselves right now? I don't think it's necessarily above themselves. I think it's 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 they're mo- they're kind of learning what Kermit Davis is preaching in terms of moving the ball better and getting it, you know, playing inside out to some degree, you know, getting post touches and then, you know, moving it from both sides of the floor. Devontae Shewer threw out a stat the other night in Jackson um, when we were talking about th- they struggled for a while in that game offensively and kind of kind of got stagnant for a while and it was because the ball movement was stagnant and they weren't, you know, you know, moving it from side to side, and he threw out some stat that that I think Kermit had gave him to where when they get the ball to the third side of the floor, meaning you know get it to the opposite side a third time, they shoot like almost sixty percent higher than when it doesn't get to you know when it doesn't change sides three times. So I think it's really just ball movement, and then you have three really good guards in Schuler and um and excuse me Terrence Davis and Brian Tyree, and then KJ Buffin and Blake Henson have kind of come along quicker than I think people thought. So you have. You know some guards and, and and some combo forwards that can really fill it up. It's just it's just a matter of how good they can be in the post. I think will kind of determine how far they go. And I imagine Auburn's a different animal. I mean, just completely different animal. That's a. I mean, maybe they're not a one seed, but they'll certainly compete for one. I guess Vanderbilt and then maybe Mississippi State the week after Auburn or the game after Auburn would be the measuring sticks, right, for how they're going to stack up against the rest of the league because. I mean, it's what is it? It's Auburn. It's Tennessee. Kentucky will get there eventually, as the elite teams in the league. And nobody expects them to compete at that level. But Vanderbilt's a pretty good gauge of where they should be, despite them missing their most talented player for the year. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think kind of where you're at in terms of kind of gauging where you're at with the rest of the league is, it seems like you should probably go win that game in Nashville to open league play, right? Because you're coming back with Auburn and State back to back, and that's. That's no easy task by any means. Probably need to go win that game. They're, must win. They're not. I don't think they're going to make the tournament. I don't know about you. It's it's a year premature. Um, the the lack of experience from the two most talented players in the post is that fair? Is it fair to say that Buffin and Henson are their most experienced post play, or Excuse me, their most talented post players, at least with the most upside. Yeah, in some regards, but they they're. In some ways, they're not physically ready to kind of sure. bang in the post, right? Like Kermit yeah. wants to put more weight on them and get them bigger and stronger. But yes, I, I guess when you're speaking in terms of upside, definitely they could really benefit from kind of a a a, a morphed version of Dom and Bruce, right? <laughs> I mean, it, right? Some you know somebody a little more offensively capable like Bruce and somebody that's a little bit more of a rim protector like Dom. If they could kind of merge them into one player, they'd yeah. be. A little bit better off, but yeah, no, I, I think that's an accurate statement in terms of upside. There, I just, you know, when you get some of these two hundred sixty pounds, you know, forwards and centers in the SEC, I'm just not sure how well Buffin and Henson will hold up against mm-hmm. them at this point. I think they'll be there eventually, but again, they're you know, eighteen year old freshmen. Well, isn't one of them seventeen? So he's so it is uh, Blake Henson. He is eighteen, but grade wise, he reclassified a year early. Okay. So sh- shouldn't even be in college right now. One of their two, uh, one of their two bigs that they're going to rely on. That so that's a long-winded way. And I, I spoke through Rippy, which is usually a better thing for me to do than speak myself. Um, <laughs> they're, they're probably not a tournament team. They're they're not going to make the tournament. So the game at Vanderbilt is not a, a must-win if they want to make the tournament because it's probably not going to happen. But 
if they that's can, okay. If they can play meaningful games in the SEC, they're going to play meaningful games in the SEC far above expectations and a really positive sign in year one for Kermit Davis because it could have been a whole lot worse than it is right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're just, So you're looking at their schedule, and I'm particularly looking at the end of it. You play Tennessee at home in late February. You've got Kentucky in early March at Missouri to end the conference season. They feel like a team that's going to compete in most games they play in, and it's probably going to be one of those teams that hands a tournament or bubble team kind of one of those, you know, really, really crushing losses in February, I guess. If, if there's a way to play spoiler, I guess, in college athletics, I would, I could see that being the case. I, I think NCAA tournament team is a little, a little premature and a little far-fetched for year one. Yeah, and it, it's really not fair to put those expectations on that team either. I mean, truthfully. No, and, they're, they're and I don't think anybody's doing that, are they? I haven't seen anybody calling for that or expecting that, but if that were to be the case, that that's not exactly fair to put on that group and that coach in year one. It's just not. He needs time, and he's going to get it, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree. I don't think necessarily that's the expectation, but when you go through the conference slate at 8-2, and two, which is probably a little better marked than some people expected, you know, the thoughts kind of start creeping into people's mind. We will get to the NFL eventually, I promise. It was a really good weekend, and now we're getting down to it. I mean, there is two games left for everybody except for the Saints and the Panthers who get uh, underway tonight. Huge game for the Saints if they want to secure home field throughout the playoffs. They have a two-game cushion now over the Rams, but they have the Panthers twice in three weeks, and then the Steelers come to New Orleans. So big games coming up for the Saints. We'll look at those. The NFL slate, I've got a story to tell you. And a lot more coming up at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Happy holiday. Fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Sing it, Dean. Man, it doesn't show signs. Wouldn't mind another blanket or snow of snow or two before the spring comes. I like snow. I don't know. It's kind of my thing. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. And gosh, just a week before Christmas Eve, just seven days until Christmas Eve, it it has just flown by and and we're glad you're with us. And maybe we will get a little bit of snow here in the future and work its way on out and we'll go back to 70 and 80s and 90s here in like three weeks. That's kind of how it works. But we're glad to be with you this afternoon. A couple of texts. Uh, on the NFL situation. We're going to flip to college football here in a second, but do want to get to these. It's funny that the most recognizable quarterbacks in football right now, maybe outside of Baker Mayfield, are a bunch of guys that probably need to retire. Greg Nettleton says, if I, would e- if I was Eli, I would retire and not look back. Brian in Clarksdale says, Brady needs to listen to his wife and retire. He's a legend already. So everybody is encouraging the most recognizable quarterbacks in the league to hang it up. Yeah, there were a couple of uh a couple of reports. I see one from 247 this was a day ago that Eli is likely to come back in 2019. I don't understand that. Why would you not try to get a Herbert or a Haskins in the draft? Like what what is the I I don't know. I don't understand it at this point. Nobody and I know why, but nobody has acknowledged how good of a year Dwayne Haskins had. 
Good it's, player. It's because it's because of Urban Meyer's offseason. That's why. I mean, if if we're really going to look at Ohio State in total, I mean, they had another really good year. They won the Big Ten, all that stuff. I mean, Dwayne Haskins led the country in passing. I, he threw for 4,500 yards, almost 4,600 yards, completed over 70% of his passes, had 47 touchdowns and eight interceptions at Ohio State. And no, I know he went to the Heisman ceremony, but he wasn't even a factor, not even close. And nobody talks about how good of a year he had. That guy who has, for whatever it's worth, hinted on social media that he may come back to Ohio State, that the way he plays, he's not a dual-threat guy. People have attributed that to him because he's a good athlete, but he's a, he's a pocket passer, a true pocket passer. And he's a big guy. He can take hits, and, and he can be physical when he wants to be. I'm with you. Why would you not, if you're the Giants, give that a shot when you know you're not winning anything big right now anyway? You're not winning anything big in 2019. You're probably not winning anything big in 2020. Your roster is not built for that. So why not go draft your quarterback instead of hanging on to Eli, as good as he's been for you, he won two Super Bowls. He's a two-time Super Bowl MVP. It's not working anymore. It's not Eli's fault. But why don't you go get your guy of the future and start building around him? It would justify the Barkley draft pick, too, right? Because as great as he is, some people thought it was a mistake that they didn't get a quarterback in that loaded class last year. So if you can get a quarterback in with a top pick in the draft this year, it would it would kind of justify you know get, taking Barkley at the slot that they did. Richard Wiggins says, Eli to Jacksonville, get your third ring and retire. I, Jacksonville, I think they probably, what do you think, they need another receiver or two, but otherwise it's a, a roster that you can win with. Uh, they've scored one offensive touchdown in three games. Put Dwayne Haskins on that roster with that defense. He might be available by the time they pick. I, I mean, if that's the route he, he wants to go, I mean, he would have a better chance at winning there. He's probably got a little gas left in the tank because of his ability to completely avoid getting hit, like almost at all cost, which is why he's playing at 40. But he could win there. I don't know about a Super Bowl, but they would be better than they are now. Blake Bortles is a train wreck, and I don't know who they're playing now. Who are they playing now? Cody Kessler. Cody Kessler. Josh Johnson just beat. Yeah. So put any competence at quarterback in Jacksonville, and it may end up working out and being okay there, but sounds like he's going to stay in New York, at least for now. We'll flip to college football now, though. Uh, this is just after 5 o'clock. We do this every day. It's the College Football Fix, brought to you by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. At the end of the year is where you can guess, get the best deals on a new Ford truck, and the F-150 has been the best-selling truck for, I don't know, two of my lifetimes. So go and Test Drive One today. It's the year-end sales event. They have the best deals of the year right now. You can get a new Ford just seven days until Christmas. Plenty of time to get that done and buy a new truck or car for your loved one. Are you sick of UCF yet? Are you sick of the talk of UCF yet? I've gone from appreciating their edginess, I guess, if you want to call it that, and like them wanting to stand up for themselves. But when it comes out that they reject a two-for-one with Florida and like act like they're getting a raw deal there, that that's when I'm, I, I'm not up sick of them. I'm, I guess I am in some ways. I would say I'm just, I, I don't pay attention to them anymore. I'm probably just done with them. 
Uh, real quick, I want to get to this because uh, they made the time to tweet at us. Um, Ole Miss News at Ole Miss Sports Tweets uh, says to us they can still bring Eli back and draft his successor. That's certainly allowed. I get that, but you one that that's not near as used as it used to be. You saw it in Arizona. Josh Rosen, even as a rookie took over that starting job. You don't have the Aaron Rodgers sitting behind Brett Favre for three years and then taking over situation anymore. Teams want instant gratification, and you can still use Eli as a bargaining trip to get better players around your newly drafted quarterback. I don't like the concept of drafting your guy of the future and keeping your current guy on roster at the same time. Cleveland shouldn't have done what they did with Terod Taylor and Baker Mayfield. I think if you if you have your quarterback of the future – play him and use the guy that you've had as trade bait or a piece to get and build your roster. I don't know if keeping two franchise quarterbacks that you're going to have to pay because you're going to pick Dwayne Haskins in the first round. I don't know if that's the best situation for Haskins. I don't know if it's the best for Eli and it's certainly not the best for your team because you could use that money for value to build a roster around that quarterback. So that's, that's why at least for me, that's why I didn't bring that up. Because I, I don't, if I was an owner of a team, which I'm certainly not, I wouldn't go that route. I would pick my new quarterback, my guy of the future, and do whatever I can to build around him and do it as soon as humanly possible. Depends on what type of quarterback it is and how ready they are to play immediately, also, in my sure, opinion. Sure. Yeah. I think Haskins is NFL ready day one. Yeah, I mean, I, and to the to the whoever tweeted that's point, I guess that's better than doing nothing and not taking a quarterback at all, because then you're just setting yourself back even further. Yeah, something has got to give though there in New York. Anyway, on to UCF. So Dan Mullen, I, I guess it was early last week, uh, said that there was an offer on the table for UCF in Florida uh, to do a two for one, two games in Gainesville and one game in Orlando, and. Because of that, some reporters, I think Mike Bianchi or Bianchi, however you say his name at the Orlando Sentinel, you know, the guy that constantly writes the Ole Miss and Mississippi State doesn't belong in the SEC columns, that guy, filed a Freedom of Information Act request and got some emails exchanged between Danny White, the athletic director at UCF, and Scott Strickland. And basically what happened, I'm not going to read the emails to you, but basically what happened is Danny emailed Scott and said, hey, i I would like to schedule a game with you or a home-and-home with you. And Scott replied that Florida is not in the market for a home-and-home or neutral site games against non-Power 5 opponents. He said that he will be open for a series like a two-for-one in the future, but basically said, you're not a Power 5 team, we're not going home-and-home with you. What do you think about that? I don't mind that at all, because who does that? I mean, I get it happens occasionally, but that's not a common practice. Like, the two-for-one seems more common, so I don't I don't mind that at all. And Danny replied to Scott, and, and he's been outspoken about this for a while, and he claims that he's not your average non-Power 5, not your average Group of 5 program, and, and they should have respect of the non-Group of 5 program. And this is kind Weren't of the... Weren't they 0-12 three years ago? Yes, they were. Okay. Interesting. So at that point, I understand what he's doing, and he's defending his program, and you've got to try to get a home-and-home of Florida if you can, but at some point, you've either got to put up or shut up if you're UCF, right? 
Because the playoff isn't expanding in time for the current state of your program to benefit from the expanded playoff. They will fall off eventually, and it will that will come before the expanded playoff will come. You've got to put up or shut up. If somebody like Florida is offering to give you three games in three years where this season, for example, if you beat Florida in Gainesville this year, you actually have a shot at making the playoff. Just that one game. So they're giving you three games. You've got to take it. Swallow your pride, put up or shut up, and take the games. Because now that we know publicly you're saying no to playing three games against Florida to boost your schedule and your resume, now that we know you're saying no, you don't have an argument anymore because somebody's giving you the opportunity and you're not taking it. So now it's on you. Well said. More coming up. Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. A couple more things on this UCF-Florida dispute before we move on to some more uh, locally focused topics. One of the lines I want to read to you that Danny White sent to Scott Strickland in their email exchange that got released today by the Orlando Sentinel. He said, quote, The system should be such that we can schedule home and homes. As someone who sits on the college football playoff committee, I'm asking for your help in fixing a broken model by expanding the playoff and putting an end to unfair scheduling practices. The guy never heard of buy games? I I understand. I, I do understand that UCF is in a bit of a bind because nobody good is going to play them because Alabama, for example, has nothing to gain by playing a neutral site with UCF because they can play it against somebody of equal status for the most part. Nobody's of Alabama's equal status, but you get my point. They can play a Louisville or a Washington or whatever and lose the game and it's okay. Nothing happens. Everything's fine. They get their money. It's all good. And they will always be able to schedule those. They will never have a problem scheduling those. If they do that with UCF and lose, it becomes a thing. It becomes a a problem or there's added risk involved. There's no reason for Alabama to play UCF ever. No reason to. There's no reason for Florida to play UCF with the exception of a two-for-one. So I get what he's saying. It isn't really fair for them because they can't just go get a home-and-home with Virginia Tech. They can't do it. But when you can't do it, if you really care about elevating your program, then you suck it up and you play Florida two-for-one, and then if you're actually good enough, you beat them a time or two, and then you'll be able to schedule better games because your program status is going to elevate. Right now, there's no benefit of playing you. So you've got to do whatever it takes to elevate your football program. But they're choosing not to, and I'll let you react before I give my theory on that. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Like it's if you're trying to, it, it, that's what this whole thing is seems like, right? Like them rejecting that makes it seem like they're not actually trying to enhance their argument to get into the playoff, right? And I think Barrett Salee or somebody said it on Twitter the other day is like they're not doing the things you have to do to be kind of become a pro like a Group of Five program with that kind of notoriety, like a Boise State or something like that, right? So. I mean, yeah. When you have an SEC school offering to play three times, even though one, you know, two of them are in Gainesville, 
you got to take it. Just do it. I In my theory, I think I've said it before on this show, so forgive me if I'm being a broken record. I think they don't really want to play a home-and-home. I think they don't really want to make the college football playoff because the second they do, they know they're going to lose. If they made the playoff this year, they'd have been the four seed, right? They would have been the four seed. They'd have played Alabama and gotten beat by 35. And thus, it ends all conversation and relevancy of UCF football in one game. They don't want to make the playoff right now because it ends it. They're making too much money. Their program is getting too much exposure. Everything's great with them being the victim. Being the victim for them is financially beneficial. When that ends, they're no longer relevant because they will get beat and cast back to the non-Power 5 where they belong. It's a great story. Not losing a game in two years is not fair that you don't get a chance to play for the championship. I get it. If you don't lose a game in two years, you should get a shot. But when you get that shot, just know what's coming when you blow that shot. And I think he knows that. The the direction you were going there for a second, I thought we were about to get the UCF is like millennials line. Nah, I don't go there because all that stuff is ridiculous. <laughs> but no, it well said. I certainly agree. I mean, it it'd be fun to see too, right? Even if like them playing Gainesville twice, and then just that one time Florida going to Orlando, that would be real a really intriguing matchup. Yep. Luke and Flowood says the reason they need a this is the reason they need a mid major playoff. There's no way they can get into the actual one, and for that I agree. That if a 24 and 0 or what are they 26 and 0. UCF can't play for the college football playoff. The group of five is not playing for a national championship. It's not possible for them to get in it in its current state. I agree with that. I think I think this is coming down the road. Years down the road, but I think this is coming. The power five and the group of five are going to split. Instead of four divisions in college football, I think you're going to have five. Because right now you've got four. You've got the FCS, the FBS, Division Two, Division Three. I think you'll end up having five. And the non-Power 5 schools will play for their own championship. Because right now they don't have a championship to play for. Yeah, I don't necessarily like that idea, though. Because I, and I don't I, either. I, I think that's what I hate though. the way college football is set up right now. I've been pretty outspoken about that. But if you do that, like... Like you can't tell me if 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 teams like UCF and USF and Houston and markets like that were in better conferences that they couldn't eventually recruit kids and get on that level because you've seen it work the other way. Like Louisville's become a legit ACC power, right? And they used to be kind of in the same spot. They were in Conference USA at one point. It's like if you like in a sport that lacks parity desperately, I would hope they would want to try to expand it. You know what I mean? Mm. Instead of further divide it. Uh, Brian in Clarksdale says Florida was trying to do UCF a favor. They're a fool for turning that down. I agree. They, they Florida play. There's no benefit even for a two and one really for Florida playing UCF. They should go play ULM or Tulane or somebody like that. But instead, Scott Strickland has said, "Hey, we'll do a two and one. We will go to Orlando, which benefits us zero, and they still turned it down." Je- Jeff- that was sorry, sorry, for, but that was my biggest takeaway when I originally heard it. Is that I know it was. Strickland in the emails, but Mullen willing to throw them a bone like that. That seemed out of character. <laughs> Seriously, though. 
Uh, Jeff and Laurel says, like Alabama quit scheduling Southern Miss a few years ago. They waited till they went down before they scheduled them again. Yeah. Southern, nobody wanted to play Southern Miss there for a while. Um, Richard and Wiggins says, like the little guy being held back in a fight, let me go, let me go until you let him go, and then suddenly he doesn't want to fight anymore. <laughs> uh, Josh and Clinton says, what's your prediction for UCF in the Fiesta Bowl? That's a good question. Without Mackenzie Milton, I, I am reserved to give them any kind of a chance. I, I think they're going to be well coached and they're going to play hard and, and they'll be very up for that game. But Mackenzie Milton was really, I mean, he's an excellent quarterback. Being without him, they're not going to be able to match up athlete for athlete with LSU. And so as long as LSU just executes, doesn't play sloppy and turn the football over, they should have a pretty easy day with UCF, I think. And George and West Point says, why can't they have an NIT game like they do in basketball? Well, that's what the bowl games are. That, that is what bowl season's for. Bowl, bowl games now, outside of the access bowls, are basically your NIT. It's a reward. It's better to go than not to go. But winning the Independence Bowl isn't really anything more than what you get for winning an NIT game. Yeah, I it's hard. It's a that's apples to oranges. It really is. But that UCF at least is getting an opportunity to show themselves. They did last year. It was a four loss Auburn team, but they they have an opportunity in the Fiesta Bowl against LSU. They do. If they win this game, it might change perception. It really could. It just feels like it's going to keep dragging on if they win it, though, right? Like, like it's, see, at this point, it feels like most of the country is rooting for LSU to just end this whole charade. I That's truthfully, and I know the Southern Miss fans listening, especially our buddy Luke Johnson, who we'll talk to tomorrow, doesn't like that, I, that I'm saying this. I, I, I would like to see LSU just kind of beat up on them a little bit and end this whole charade. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I tend to fall in that same category. Although I think it, I think I find the whole situation humorous because it makes people so mad. It really does. So, like, I, I kind of like to having the the provocateur, I guess. I don't even know if that's the right word, but just having someone kind of poke at the big programs constantly, even though their argument doesn't make sense at this point with them rejecting the. The two for one is just kind of humorous to me because people do really get very up in arms. Oh my about gosh! It. Yeah. Ed in Pontotoc says, playing the victim to make money. My ex-wife did that, and it worked. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> thanks uh, thanks for listening, Ed. We, uh, we appreciate you hanging on. You can text the show if you'd like, 601-879-4395. It's a C Spire text line. Please don't text and drive. Do so on your voice text feature. Every phone basically now has got one of those. If you got a C Spire phone, you can voice text us today. Or wait till you get to your destination. We want you to be a part of the show, but we want you to be safe while doing so. So text us, 
Super Talk Mississippi media production.